0: Hi, I'm Tim Flowers, Solly Omor's football club, and you're listening to the National League podcast.
1: Welcome to this week's NL Full Time podcast. I'm Luke Edwards here once again. This week we have no Chris. He's, he's he's still in Indonesia, but he's taking a well earned break with the family. And Rob, well, Rob's drowning his sorrow somewhere, I think. So he's not co- <laughs> he's not coming on. So it's been left to me and Tom Lang. Hello, Tom, fresh back from your travels as well.
2: Hi, Luke. Yeah, how's it going?
1: Good cheers. And later on, we shall also have Rich Wharton to look at the National League North side. He's making his debut on the podcast. So we'll get underway with the National League and it was another interesting day yesterday in the National League. Some strange results, some surprising results and some not entirely unexpected results as well. We'll start off with Harrogate who went down to Aldershot yesterday and Rob caught up with Simon Weaver pre-match to get his thoughts.
3: I'm joined uh, in the away dugout here at Aldershot pre-match with National League manager of Harrogate Town, Simon Weaver. Simon. Firstly, um, I know you'll say it's history now but congratulations on the promotion last Thank season. You. You've seem to have adapted quite well to life at uh, the top tier of non-league football four games unbeaten how' have things gone so far? Yeah it's
4: been a, a good steady start and uh, that's what we wanted. Uh, it's the first season at this level um, got a lot of inexperienced players coming into this season for this level. We wanted that fresh you know good start. But also to capitalise on a bit, bit of momentum gained from last season. But it's been a difficult start on paper, and we got away with one last week at Bromley where they were by far the better team on the day, but the other three performances we're very proud of.
3: As much as it's nice and solid, and to get those, you know, to be unbeaten in those first games, it must have been sweet on uh, Tuesday night to get that first win against uh, a good side in
4: Barnett. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, and um, it, it, some fans walked past after the game and said, one or two said finally now I'm thinking we're only ten, ten days yeah. and three games into it but to be honest we, we we were delighted with the whole performance it was a real it, it performance a real intensity and, and we deserved the win
3: I uh, kept a close eye on things pre-season all the comings and goings at National League level and it was interesting that uh, you're clearly showing a great deal of faith in the boys that did a good job last year I think you retained roughly 15 of those and you've added five but the five you've added would appear to be good quality signings
4: yeah well I'd like to think so I mean seven got Released and that's that's always the the downside. Wherever you finish in, in the lead table, is that you know if you go up, you still need to improve the squad to be able to handle the level above. And we said goodbye to seven really honest good performers for us um, and brought five in. So we just wanted to up the quality and a bit of experience, a bit of physical input into the into the squad. And all have performed well so far.
3: I heard earlier on today your pre-match interview before shot, you recognize obviously they're a, time, a side that likes to get the ball down and play and play a high tempo game and also that you you've really noticed the tempo as being one of the big differences in stepping up in the opening games
4: yeah definitely I mean he keeps going and um, that high tempo you have to with that high tempo you have to stay concentrated for the entirety of the game um, we slipped up last week but hopefully you know we said in the team talk on, on Tuesday can you be quick, become quick learners you're all good enough in my view individually but as a unit can you can you really make sure that you you know you maintain and that concentration level, despite the high tempo going throughout the game, because last season we had a lot of um, games where we were the full-time team and we could dictate proceedings with our tempo. But we're up against other teams that start bright, start fast, and, uh, and are very fit as well. So that's up to, uh, that's up to us and ha- how quickly we can progress and adapt to the level.
3: Final question is about the uh, striking department. You've got a couple of guys in Dom Knowles and and, and Leesley that that, that uh, regularly find the back of the net for you. Or certainly did last mm. season. But you're not sitting back on your laurels there. You've signed Aaron Williams. I saw a couple of times last season and I know he hasn't quite hit the ground running goals-wise for you this season but you must be pleased with that competition for places up yeah, front.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And Jack Muldoon played down the middle on Tuesday and his industry and power and pace really uh, had a massive effect on the game. So we, we've got good competition for places and we always think that whilst we have that, I mean, we've only got 16 fit players but we've got people who can cover in other positions. Whilst we've got the competition for places, it's very healthy Um And and the lads know that they have to perform to keep the shirt
1: So that was the Harrogate town manager Simon Weaver Harrogate went and did a job and all the shot They went and won by two goals to nil And it was fair to say uh, our mate Rob wasn't too happy He's not here today but he did uh, have a bit of a rant in our little Whatsapp group that we had saying basically that shots have got a lot of decent players at the minute but they haven't gelled together they're hardly having a shot on target and Harrogate were well drilled and Rob caught up with Simon
3: Weaver after the excellent 2-0 victory for Harrogate Town away to Aldershot Town and uh you got your season going in the week, Simon. We talked before the game. That was a great win against Barnet, But to, to come on the road and get a win, a, a club that's been in the playoffs for the last two seasons, you've really
4: na- announced your arrival at this level now. Oh, thank you. I think it was a wholehearted display. It wasn't, wasn't perfect because I thought the first 45 minutes was a scrappy affair and I thought the energy output wasn't anywhere near what we're What's capable of um, we seem to be just getting through it and happy with the clean sheet and the draw and I said you've got to you've got to set the benchmark a lot higher than that and yeah. I thought second half we came out with a bit of a bit more quality on the ball a bit more movement and better passing but um, you pressed high didn't yeah, you know yeah, we, well. we you We all We for did. that first goal obviously you get the benefit of watching the opposition these days and on the video we know that they commit to playing and it's a good surface good enough to, to be able to uh, to play and they've got some good players but with the pace and the energy we've got we, you know, we thought that we'd press them high and and go and harry them and um, and it paid dividends Pretty
3: much the perfect away day for you in the end a clean sheet, two goals but the only thing that might have topped it was Aaron Williams coming on the score and scoring. he did nothing wrong with both two thunderous efforts but one blocked and one saved Yeah,
4: but he, he, he added a bit of presence for us is up front affected the game from that first ball but um, yeah, he, he's coming on strong he's going to be a, a good signing we feel and uh, unlucky with the two efforts but it, he's got that now so being in the right place at the right time so it, it's... It's brilliant to be able to put him on in that situation and it helped uh, close the game down.
3: And what a contrast in two away days for James Belshaw. You told me earlier that he was magnificent at Bromley, he pulled off a string of saves and mm. let's be honest he didn't have one to make all day.
4: No he didn't, And but you get the same reception from him at the end of the game where he, he's uh, giving everyone a hug because um, he's happy with the clean sheet and last week you know, we, we were terrible at Bromley, we, we left ourselves exposed but as bad as we were there uh, last week in terms of leaving ourselves outnumbered and open to the counter-attack, we... we We've learnt our lesson in the, in the next two games, where we've really been solid defensively, and uh, and everyone's bought into that. So it's very early days, you know. But obviously, the quicker we learn lessons and and improve, the better it is for us. Final
3: question from me. I forgive me, I haven't looked at the fixtures. Who's up next for you?
4: Uh, we've got Solihull at home, which will be obviously they're a big. Big team and got some good players in there, uh, followed by on the bank holiday money who filed away, which on television, which is a new experience for us again.
1: He was absolutely chuffed to bits, Tom, and, and what a start for Harrogate, undefeated in the league.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's been absolutely fantastic for them, hasn't it? I think we, we all looked at Harrogate before the season started and we thought they had enough to be competitive at this level, but results like going away to Aldershot, last season's first semi finalists, I don't think we expected them to be able to go down there and win 2 0, and especially. Look as comfortable as they did doing it. They have obviously got some real talent in the squad. shot really, they they were there for the taking. Um, and as Rob said, and I do feel sorry for him because you know I predicted Shot to do a lot better at the start of the season than they have. But they're right down in the in the relegation space at the moment with four points from five games, and they just they just don't seem to be clicking as a team. Gary Waddick's built a reputation on being able to form a team from the bare bones and to to build a good squad on on not much budget. But he needs to do it quickly because at the moment, other teams in this division are gelling and they're clicking. Oldershot aren't. They've only scored two goals in five games, and that's really not good enough for them.
1: I said to Rob, "Was it last season, the season where Oldershot had to get up? And he said he he, he thinks it was because the budget's not what it was last season. They've lost a lot of key players as well. I think Callum Reynolds is a a big miss for them, and they just seem to say it doesn't seem to be happening for them at the minute. they're probably going to be looking over not looking over the shoulders as such but they may have to write the playoffs off scene mightn't you Tom?
2: Yeah I think obviously five games in it's very, it is very very early doors to be to be talking about where you actually expect teams to finish but you've only got to look up to uh, sixth position in the league there are already two wins behind those teams sure there are some sides up there that we would expect to fall away a little bit probably Halifax, Gateshead, Solihull don't see them continuing on these runs of form deep into the season purely because of the size of their squads. Teams like Sutton, Fylde, Wrexham, Chesterfield up near the top, they've already put a six point gap between themselves and Oldershot and they will continue to pick up points and churn out results.
1: Another team that's surprisingly down there is Barnet at the minute and everyone expected John Still to go in there and really instill, excuse the pun, some some belief and confidence they were all... Do you know, there was a lot of belief between the two relegated clubs coming down between Barnet and Chesterfield that they could bounce straight back. Chesterfield have started off quite well. We'll get to their results shortly. But Barnet have had an absolute shocker, haven't they? They lost 3 0 at home again yesterday to a very good, admittedly, Ebsleet side. But still, you'd be expecting Barnet to not be second bottom in the league currently.
2: Yeah, agreed. Um, you know, you, you make the point there rightly, and we've, we've said it before that Ebsleet are a very good side. You know, they were there or thereabouts last season. I expect them to be this year as well Danny Kedwell in amongst the goals again yesterday always surprises me um, every time I've seen him play he doesn't look like he should be a consistent goal scorer at this level but he is Barnett though 22nd in the league I don't think anyone would have expected that after 5 games and I know I've said it already drawing conclusions on the table at this point in the season is ridiculous but they've only scored twice in 5 games and when you look at the squad that they've got the strikers they've got Byron Harrison Medi Alito Shaquille Kultest Coul- they should be scoring more than that. And I don't know what the problem is down there for uh, John Still. As we said, we talked a number of times in our season preview about how Barnett and Chesterfield have done the right thing in appointing managers who move the league. But again, like Gary Waddock down at Oldershot, John Still needs to get it clicking quickly because other teams are running away from them. Do
1: you think it's a case that the squad is too big and he doesn't... I mean, he, he said to Rob in, his, in the preview interview that we did with him just before the season started that... He knew what his team was for the opening game of the season but do you think he does know what his best team is because he's got such a big squad? Yeah, it's possible, isn't it? I
2: mean, what is it? I think Rob said a few weeks ago, what, 31 players, is it? It's it's yeah. a huge squad. Jose Mourinho likes to have a squad of 25 wherever he's managing and that's full-time Premier League yeah. with Champions League, FA Cup, League Cup requirements football. why do Barnet need 31 players? I, I don't understand that. He might have an idea of what his strongest lineup is but every player that's not in that starting 11 is going to have an idea of what the strongest lineup is. And surprise, surprise, they're going to want to be in it. I don't see how he can keep that squad happy rotating. You've got, you know, almost three full starting 11s in there.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Barnett get on throughout the season a team were absolutely flying at this stage of the season who we didn't expect to be as well were Wrexham we expect him to be there or thereabouts but the top of the league they've won 5 out of 5 and they only conceded their first goal yesterday and again Mike Fondop scored again for Wrexham and they are absolutely flying at the minute a really good win down at Eastlead. won the last couple up until Saturday
2: yeah you know what? I'm I'm kind of uh... A little part of me is a bit glad that Rob was unable to make the show today, because I think we were going to see his man crush on Mike Talon reach uh, even higher levels today after he got his fourth of the season. (laughs) But, you know, as you say, Wrexham's defence, first goal conceded in five. Um, We knew they had a good defence, and then being managed by former international right-back Sam Ricketts, unlikely that that was going to get weaker. But um, you know that's the second game in a row that they've scored three goals, and that certainly isn't something we saw last season, is it?
1: No, they were very solid at the back. They were good going forward. It was interesting actually pre-season because they lost three one to Telford in a pre-season game. And it was quite a strange interview really from Sam Ricketts because he went, I'm delighted because it's the sort of game I wanted. Telford were physical, they got in our faces and I'm absolutely pleased with how it went. And you, you went on a and form and you're like, what is he on about? Does he have a clue what he's doing? But I think his point was, is that he could see if they could be bullied and stand up to it and what they needed to work on. And it's obviously he was happy because he could really take something out of the game and work on it and whatever he's done whatever that game's taught him has worked
2: yeah you, you know what they say don't you um, you learn more from a loss than you do from a victory uh, I think it, the point was made last week when we were talking about Salford you do learn more from a loss than you do from a victory yeah. and maybe getting defeated having your game plan threatened in pre-season gives you those as you say gives you those things to work on and, and lets the players know that actually you know, this is going to be a hard season we're not going to be able to set up sh- uh, shot up shop maybe as easy as we did last season you know yesterday they came up against an Eastley side who I, I don't think are, are likely to be challenging the top half of the division but they also they scored early which is crucial and Eastley went down to 10 men so you know there's elements of fortune in there as well but also you know they're a good side and, and they're well set up
1: another good side a Fylde who crushed Dover at home by four goals to nil there's worries over Dover we'll get to that in a minute but Fylde are absolutely flying uh, again, that man Danny Rowe, of course, got on a score sheet. Did it twice as well, and they're pretty formidable at home. At the minute, filed aren't they?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's one of the grounds I've not visited in in the national league. And everybody you speak to when you say, "What's your favourite ground to visit?" Filed four times out of five is is in the conversation. And because of that, there's a pride up at the club, and and they set up a good home atmosphere. And they are very tough to beat up there. We talk about Wrexham being well set up, but so sort of filed, you know. Lewis Montrose is one of the most aggressive and probably unpleasant players to play against I've ever seen on a football pitch. And defensively, they take their setting from him. Whereas, as you say, up front, when you've got Danny Rowe, you guaranteed goals. So, if you, it's simple, isn't it, football? If you can keep it tight at the back and have a good goal scorer, chances are you're going to win games. Um that's five for him for the season already would any of us be surprised you know we talked about the new players in the league Adam Rooney McCauley Bond having another season to settle would anyone really be surprised if Danny Rose top scorer again
1: probably not no I mean he'd be a good bet when he'd be well I wouldn't say a but I'm, I imagine he's pretty short odds to be top scorer Dover on the other hand though no. a bit of a struggle this year they lose players year on year and always have to rebuild and I know some, a regular listen to the podcast Karen Barry got in touch with us the other week and she said she fears for Dover a bit this year <clears throat> maybe the magic for Chris Kinnear where he rebuilds the team and gets them towards the playoffs or in the playoffs isn't going to quite happen this year he seems to be struggling to replace the players that he's lost
2: yeah and you know I'm just having a look through the players that have, have departed down at the Crabble this season and they have lost they've lost good strikers you know Ryan Bird and Mitchell Pinnock have both gone uh, that's most of their goals from last season out the door. As you say, Chris Kinnear always builds a good side, but he builds from the back. And losing Femi Alessandri, uh, Giancarlo Galifuoco and Manny Parry in one transfer window, as well as George Essendon, how do you replace that defensive solidity? You know, it brought in a couple of players, but cruci- you know, you're know, you looking at Jack uh, Tim Schmoll, who's been brought in from Oldershot. Why was he available from Oldershot? Why weren't they looking to keep him? And they haven't replaced the strikers that they they lost so they've lost that defensive solidity and also they're going to struggle to score goals again I certainly don't see them challenging for the playoffs again this season it could be a bit of a, a long tough season for over
1: yeah another team is going to have a tough season at Dagenham uh, they lost again yesterday to an inform Halifax who've now won 4 out of 5 their only defeat was at Salford when he slugged it out with them on Tuesday and came out the wrong side of a 5 goal thriller there but they, they re- bounced back yesterday by winning by 2 goals to 1 against Dagenham and I think Dagenham are going to be a team that really are in the relegation battle this year Tom aren't they
2: it, it does look that way doesn't it I mean When you look at the teams that Dagenham have played so far this season as well, uh, you're looking at Oldershot, who they failed to beat, and Oldershot, you know, we've discussed their struggles so far this season, Maidenhead, they failed to beat, and Maidenhead are going to be down there in a relegation uh, battle, Maidstone they lost to, um, and, you know, Maidstone aren't a bad side, but they're certainly not one who you'd expect to be fighting at the top of the division, and now they've lost to Halifax as well. Obviously, you know a lot more about Halifax than I do, but... Dagenham, we're all familiar with the story. They've lost the money. A roll call of the players that have gone out the door at Dagenham in the last twelve months. You know, if you had, if they kept all of them, they'd be fighting for the title. And they just don't have the money to bring in replacements of the same standard. Uh, but yeah, Halifax Town, I don't think at the start of the season any of us would have predicted them to, as you say, have won four from five going into going into the second month of the season
1: Yeah, I think in terms of Halifax I know, I, know, I didn't think they'd really struggle this year because everyone I spoke to was really impressed with Jamie Fullerton when he came in to replace Billy Heath last year but in terms of the start they made they have had a favourable start like you say, they've played Braintree they've played Maidstone and now they've played Dagenham, Uh Obviously you've still got to beat him and it'll give him loads of confidence when you plays when you play the big hitters the only big hitter he played is Salford and failed to beat them but I'm sure if you offered Jamie Fullerton top 10 now he'd snap your hands off
2: Well exactly yeah I mean and like you say I think people expected slightly better from Halifax this year than last season sure but top 10 top 12 would be regarded as a big achievement for them um, on the back of last year. So the fact that they've got 12 points towards that already, they'll be realistic, they won't expect to necessarily s- still be in those playoff positions come the end of the season, but they've given themselves the best chance of, of a really good uh, campaign.
1: A team that we drilled over in the last couple of podcasts have been Chesterfield, they've had two away games since the last podcast and lost them both by three goals to two, both in the northwest at Barrow and then on Saturday at Salford City and. Do you think there's going to be doubts creeping in again for Chesterfield, Tom?
2: I don't think there's going to be doubts creeping in. I think the manager they've got in place, Martin Allen, won't allow that to happen. Um, He's been in the game for too long and he's been in this division before and he knows that on the day, any team can beat any team. Um, And I think Adam Virgo made the point a couple of weeks ago when he was on that at the beginning of the season, you see unexpected results and you'll see a team like Chesterfield... Who maybe haven't quite got their, their perfect starting 11 sorted lose games that you might not expect them to um, that's you know certainly not to say that you wouldn't expect them to go away to Salford City and lose um, in, a, in a one goal uh, difference Salford City are a very good side and I don't think any of us should be surprised to see them starting to pick up the wins now after their slightly more tricky start
1: yeah the thing with Salford is all their points have come at home so far so it'll be interesting to see what happens when you do go on the road again next and in terms of teams who've had a solid start to the season as well, Solihull and Sutton, they're both in the playoff places. They met yesterday and they drew two each. And Sutton are a team you know a lot about, Tom and Solihull. Rob was really impressed with their solidity last week. We heard from Tim Flowers and he just said we've had to strip back the football side of it and just be hard to beat and you, you saw two sides yesterday that are difficult to beat and it's no surprise they've probably cancelled each other out in the end
2: Yeah and, and as you say difficult to beat it's no surprise that Sutton United haven't actually lost so far this season and Solihull have only lost one so ten games in total from the two teams that's only one loss and as you say it, it just indicates that sort of resilience that both sides have and for both sides that comes from their managers Tim Flowers, an international goalkeeper in his day knows what it takes to keep the ball out of the net and Paul Doswell has been at Sutton since you know, since God was a small boy um, and he knows exactly how to set that club up again it looks like it was an interesting game up at Solihull I think both teams would be pretty pleased with the point there for Sutton a point away against a decent Solihull side on the road um, with two of their strikers scoring um, nice to see Tommy Wright back among the goals as well uh, yeah I think it's a good point for both sides I'd just like to pick up on something you said about Salford. I've not really thought about it like this in the past but they've got a lot of money, they put together a very good squad but this is the first time in their club's history really that they've had to travel the length of the country to play football matches and the fact that they've won, they've picked up all their points at home, maybe that adjustment to now having to travel to places like you know Braintree and Eastleigh Right down, right down in the south, in Dover, right down on the south coast, as opposed to being all up in the north, having the shorter journeys, is a bit of a culture shock for them, and they're going to have to make that transition.
1: Maybe, Tom, but you, you look at the players that they've got, they've got football league experience, haven't they? So they're used to travelling. Places. I mean Adam Rooney's come from Aberdeen he's been playing in Europe so he's jetted off all over the place playing for Aberdeen so players wise I don't think it'll bother him that much because they get used to going to a hotel staying over getting prepared that way so sort of in terms of behind the scenes for the media team and the fans yes but for the players I don't know whether that'd stand up or not to be honest with you Yeah,
2: yeah that's a fair point yeah I'll take that and as, as you say you talked about the football league and the, the experience they've got any surprise to see it was uh, Danny Whitehead popping up with the winner in the 89th minute
1: yeah I mean it was all the, it was the big guns scored yesterday wasn't Adam Rooney Cal had and always a threat from a set piece and and Danny Whitehead as well he won the league last year with Macclesfield so yeah it would be interesting it would have been a really good game to go to uh, that yesterday because you look at uh, two other players he scored for Chesterfield they've got football league experience Premier League experience in Zavon Hines and Mark-Anton Fortune. so there's lots of quality on that pitch one thing I was looking at though is Harrogate and Salford slugged it out for the North title last year, Harrogate started a lot better than Salford but that's because Harrogate have had a lot of continuity in their squad they've, they've, they've not really added much to it what they have added are good signings where Salford have almost brought a, low, a a brand new team in and so that's probably why Harrogate maybe started a bit better than Salford
2: Yeah and crucially they brought in the new management team as well, I think uh, there's a lot of people surprised by the departures of uh, Messrs Johnson and Morley they've decided to go with the big name Graham Alexander yeah I don't think it's a surprise that it's maybe taken him a couple of weeks just to get his feet under the table and, and get the team playing how he wants it to this is a very very different division to League One where he's been operating in the past and it's as much a case that the the new players they brought in are going to have to adjust to the National League as you say a lot of them come from the Football League and it's a different style of football you're playing it's different sorts of players but it's the same for Graham Alexander as well
1: definitely and it'll be interesting to see how they get on as the season progresses Uh, before we move on to two teams that you know a lot about Tom Hartlepool they grabbed their first win of the season against Maidenhead, who are now rock bottom of the National League but there was a thriller down at Crescent Road yesterday Braintree were 3-2 up going into injury time and somehow can try to throw it away Nicky Kabamba and Alfie Rutherford both scoring in injury time to give Haven a dramatic 4-3 victory
2: oh, absolutely tell me about it you know 94th and 96th minute goals uh, down at Cressing Road it's a, a, an element of Fergie time perhaps on the clock there for Lee Bradbury you know what a game 0-1 2-1 2-2 3-2 3-4 uh, and a red card into boot it's nice to see both teams getting a few goals under their belts now because that, even though Braintree lost in the end that will give them the confidence to go on and, and know that they can play in this division even though they were playing against the sides they played last season Mo Betema who got on a score sheet for Braintree Town I watched him this summer in the Conifer World Cup um, and I thought he's he's a striker with a lot of potential um, he's a big strong lad uh, he can finish with both feet and I think that's his second goal of the season for Braintree but yeah for, ha- for having and Waterlooville I'm really pleased for them Lee Bradbury has talked about how it's been an adjustment to the quality of this division and getting three points away from home now I'd like to see them kick on and take that forward into the next month or so. You know, They've got two draws under their belts already so five points from five games for a promoted side is certainly not a bad record.
1: I think Braintree need Locksmith from Rudimental to come in and beef them up. We signed for him in the summer. <laughs> It'd be interesting to see how he does when he gets in the team.
2: Yeah you wonder about it. I mean he's not, not a player I'd heard of as a as a footballer before but they've they've signed a lot of players this summer um as I spoke about a couple of weeks before brad Quinton invited everyone back for preseason this summer a lot of those guys then maybe didn't make the grade they weren't quite up to the standard of of what brad needed in the national league but some of the quality that he has brought in um have been around the block dura jaye came over from welling he, he knows what it takes to play in this league. Danny Rowe, who's coming from QPR, has got a lot of talent. Cody Lyons Foster has been around the block with older shot. I mean, you also, mentioned
1: about Mark Mark Anthony Akoi would be a big loss for him, and it's proving that I think as well, isn't it? Yeah,
2: massively so. Um, and and it's no surprise to see that they're conceding, you know, four goals at home, for example, because not only is Mark Akoi a very good defender in his own right, but he's a real leader. You know, when I watched them take that playoff uh, semi penalty victory against Hampton and Richmond, uh, he was an absolute force of nature in terms of personality on the pitch. And another player for them who, who has that effect, that galvanising effect, is Billy Crook, who's come with Brad Quinton mm. from Enfield Town and is suspended for the first, I think, four, five games of the season uh, due to a, a disciplinary issue uh, last season. With him coming back into the fold over the next couple of weeks, I think we can expect to see... Maybe a bit more tenacity in the midfield from Braintree, and, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them looking a bit more organised going forward.
1: Excellent, well, as always. If you want to let us know your thoughts on your team in the National League, then get in touch on Twitter at NL Full Time. So now we're going to move on to the National League South.
0: Hi, this is Justin Edinburgh and you're listening to the NL Full Time podcast.
1: So in the National League South, we're going to start off with a game that you went to. Tom, you went down to Slough versus Torquay and it ended, it ended nil-nil and it sounded like quite an interesting game
2: yeah you know I, I travelled back 4,000 miles to come to the UK I arrived on Friday evening and I certainly wasn't expecting that my first game back would be a nil-nil it was you know one of those nil-nils where there's a lot going on and it certainly was an enjoyable game to watch as a result Slough will probably be or ironically the more pleased with the points but also the more disappointed to have only got a point Um, I think before the match if you said they'll get a point at home to Torquay they'd have been pleased they had an 84th minute penalty when when, uh, Simon Dunn had his penalty saved very well by Portsmouth Loney Alex Bass Slough Town have got 18 players in their squad it's going to be one of the smallest squads in the division but in Neil Baker and John Underwood they've got two managers who know how to motivate a side they know how to rotate a team and they know how to keep players fresh and their whole style which Scott Davies and and, uh, John Underwood will talk about shortly based and predicated on tenacity and aggression and a high press and that was really in evidence against Torquay Torquay yesterday. To be fair I don't think they needed to press that hard to stop Torquay from scoring. Torquay are struggling to find the net at the moment. Discontent down at Torquay and there were chants of hours out towards the end of the game. One fan in particular walked his way over to the dugout and made his feelings known quite audibly to Gary Owers and uh, it's, it wasn't a particularly pleasant atmosphere for Torquay towards the end of the game.
1: He wasn't asking him if he fancied a pint then, was he? No,
2: N- no. no. Uh, <laughs> le- less beer, more P45s being offered, I think. Gary Hours, he's got a full-time squad and with that come big expectations. But again, it's a team that has to adjust to a lower division. They're everyone's cup final to a degree. Go to play more, it's a big stadium and teams want to do well. Then for Torquay, they come up to places like Slough and I think maybe ours needs to be a bit more adventurous. He started off with uh, a five-man defence. Well, when you are coming to a team that have been promoted from step three, I'd like to see a bit more ambition from a full-time club who can throw resources at, at the signings they have done in the summer.
1: Yeah, I did think it was a strange appointment at the time. I think I said last year, he wasn't putting up any trees at Bath when he took over. But I think Bath actually improved once he left. And he did see a strange appointment, but that's three three away games for Torquay, no goals scored, and the last two games have been on 3G pitches, which he struggled on. And I thought maybe it's something to do with that, but of course they played at Sutton last year, Maidstone, so there's no excuse from using the three G excuse, if you like. It is a it is a strange one, really, and struggle for Torquay. It's kind of like the York situation in the north, where they've gone in big club, full-time team, and everyone's wanting to beat them really they're finding it a lot tougher than maybe they thought in terms of Slough Slough are a bit of a sleeping giant aren't they Tom they were sort of um, when it was a Vauxhall conference back in the day uh, they were quite a big name and I noticed there was a good crowd of just over 1,200 there yesterday And Slower, do you think they're working their way back now To where they want to be?
2: Yeah I do, you know When I got there You can just feel there's a lot of potential about that club You know you talk about the attendance That's something Scott Davies mentioned When I spoke to him post-game Is that they, they will expect to have One of the biggest attendances in this division Across the course of the year They've doubled their uh, you know 1,200 yesterday Doubles their average attendance from last season But everything about the club just feels healthy Um, When you arrive and uh, there's friendly stewards directing you to the free parking, everybody at the club feels like they're going in the right direction. Um, And you can sense there's a real bond between the players to help them get there. I don't think they're going to be intimidated by anyone in this division this season. And with their hard work, they'll get better results in this draw against Torquay, that's for certain. Both teams, eight points after five games. You know, let's not talk about Torquay as though they're in a disaster area. They're still seventh in the league after five games. Mm -hmm. Um, and only five points off Billericchi at the top but they do need to get things clicking and quickly Um, Rory Keaton was a big miss for them yesterday and as you say you speak about the 3G thing you know I spoke to Ryan Dixon from Torquay before the match and he said that for a player who drops down from the football league where 3G surfaces aren't an issue at all it does take a bit of getting used to but you know that'll that'll come with time and I think give it around 8-10 game mark I think we can expect to see Torquay looking a lot healthier
1: yeah, understandably, you didn't get <laughs> any reaction from a, a tarkey perspective yesterday, but he did catch up with the giant manager, John Underwood, and also, as you say, midfielder Scott Davis, and here's what they had to say.
2: I'm, I'm here with Slough Towns, part of Slough Towns management duo, John Underwood, to talk about a. Very good result at home against Torquay United. Is that what you expected from Torquay today? Yeah,
5: I think so. I think uh, I think there wasn't much in it at all today, which is credit to our lads. You know, we're coming up against a full-time side, so it was tough. We had to uh, dig very deep second half. Obviously, they're they're a fit side, but I thought we thought we finished well I thought we finished strongly I think um, probably a fair result on reflection obviously when you miss a penalty towards the end it feels like a great opportunity to win the game which it obviously was it was the best chance of the game but on the balance of play probably feels about right And, and, and we're pleased with that you know we want to try and win every game particularly here we're, we're very positive here, we try and get at teams here, but you know they're, they're a good side, obviously very solid, they don't concede many either. For a 0-0 I thought it wasn't a bad game to be fair, I thought there was plenty of chances at either end. Yeah, it's a decent point, it's a good point.
2: Yeah, it was certainly an enjoyable game to watch. Um, you've come up from probably the most competitive of the Step 3 divisions last season, and your fans have come up with a, a degree of expectation that comes with that. Two wins, two draws and a defeat so far. How have you felt you've acquitted yourself in the league so far
5: yeah pretty good pretty good we're, we're happy with the opening performances and obviously we didn't get that win in the first two games and then we, we've won two and then we've drawn one so um, yeah we're pretty pleased to be honest um, we were pretty confident we could be competitive we we only made a couple of changes from last season so I think the lads are very together here Very, young. they work hard for each other uh, they know each other inside out so I think we're yeah, the, the word is competitive. That's what we want to be. Every game, we want to be in every game, and we have been. And I think we've we've been at least a match for everyone we've played so far.
2: Uh, some of the teams you've played so far are those you'd expect to be competing with for a league position towards the end of the season. Torquay just certainly, come down. Yeah,
5: certainly expect Torquay to be to be right up there. They should be. Probably some of the teams we've played earlier aren't, aren't ones that many people tip for for playoffs or anything like that. Um, I think there's some very tough tests to come. Uh, I mean, the whole league's tough. There's no easy games I mean the two games we've won we've had to really work hard for so um yeah, we're going to have to be at it every every week to be honest, every game if we're going to do well And uh, but so far five games in, we're, we're pretty pleased
2: And you've spoken about digging deep there, um, you've got a squad of I believe 18 this season, added two players in the summer, mm-hmm. is that something you expect to have to add to as the season progresses?
5: Uh, we hope not, uh, obviously if we get injuries we'll, we'll have to we've got, we're probably one of the smaller squads a lot of clubs have got kind of 20, 22 players and we rotate our, our squad quite a bit, so we try and keep everybody fresh and injury free and we just really had 18 fit players to pick from today, so so, yeah, long may that continue. If Obviously, if we need to do something, we will, but we've got great confidence in the A team that we've got. It'd be great to keep them for the you know majority of the season. Thanks very much. OK, no problem.
2: OK, I'm stood at Arbour Park with uh, Scott Davies after Slough Town have
6: just been held to a draw by Torquay United. Is that what you expected from Torquay before the game kicked off? Um, I know quite a lot of their players. They've got some really good players. Um, obviously they're a full-time outfit playing in the Conference South. Uh, we're all part-time training Tuesday, Thursday nights. Um, I thought we could have nicked it. Obviously we've had the penalty miss. Um, Dunny was unlucky and he's sort of crucified himself in there a little bit. But played really well today and it's always difficult because people expect to put penalties away. But they're never easy. The goal looks tiny. Yeah, I think the boys put a good performance in today. I think Torquay were quite resilient at the back. And they had a couple of chances themselves, so our keepers made a couple of great saves, so uh, overall maybe a, maybe a draw was a fair result. You've just spoken about the obvious part-time, full-time difference, but towards the end there, it looked as though you were the more likely team to get the goal. Yeah, I think playing at home, we expect to win games. I think we play with a tempo. Um, it's difficult coming here, especially with the 4G surface, something that we're used to. It's difficult for, obviously, a full-time team that probably training grass to get used to it, um, playing just a one-off game. But we, we play with such a tempo at home that we sort of try and get them on the, on the back foot. And I think we did that for the last maybe 15, 20 minutes. And we're unlucky not to not get the three points in there. And we're disappointed in there. But if someone had given us a point for the game, maybe we'd have taken it. You've played, um, obviously, at a lot of clubs in the Football League and at higher level in the past. How does the setup up here at Slough compared to some of what you've experienced before? Yeah, this, the stadium, I and mean, that's fantastic. It's a, it's a good place to play. It takes to get a bit used to, like I said, the pitch. We'll get a good crowd for this level as well. Like I was looking at the crowds the other week. I think we were one of the top attendances, having been the new boys that have come up this season. The fans are good. Um, the players have put a great shift in since I've been here, um, and we've got our rewards on the way. The management sort of allows to go out there and, and play and express ourselves, and I think that shows. At times, at times we might be a little bit gung ho, and maybe today they could have nicked it when we're sort of we're on the we're on the front foot. They could have nicked it um, against the run to play. But no, I think overall 0-0 suits us. We've kept a clean sheet for the first time this season, and uh, we take a point. Obviously, you've come up from a very competitive division. Um, Evo
2: Six Southern last year was uh, had a lot of very good teams in there. What do you think would represent a successful
6: season up here in National League South this year? Hard work. I genuinely think hard work. Um, we play with such a tempo that we don't like to give teams time on the ball. Um, everyone knows the ethos. Uh, people buy into it. Um, and I would I would happily say, hand on heart, that we work harder than any team. Um, I think the way that we press, uh, everyone digs in, does their jobs. And um, there's no egos in the changing room, which is um, unusual for, for a football club. I've been at a lot. All really down-to-earth lads that just buy into what we're about. And I think we'll be quietly going along with our business but I think we could have some success on the way the work rate was tremendous across the pitch today but your left back obviously got the man of the match he was right in front of me where I was sat and he was bombing up and down all game long is that something you get from him every week yeah it's one of those um I always feel like I've had my career. I've had the highs of my of my career. I'm, I'm never going to have the highs that I've had before um, in the in the future. Um, but someone of George's um, age and, and ability, I think he can go on and have a really good career. I think he's 21, 22, and sometimes it looks like he looks like he plays in second gear. Um, but when he gets into third, fourth, and fifth, there, there's no stopping him at times. But he's a he's definitely one for the future. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he goes on to to have a career that um, I know he can that I know I know he can have and one that he uh, he probably deserves because he's a great lad as well. Great stuff! Thanks very much. Scott. Cheers.
1: So that was John Underwood, the manager, joint manager at Slough, and also friend of the podcast Scott Davies. And interesting, really, that the yeah, it, an interesting interview in the end, Tom.
2: Yeah, you know, both both of those guys they they made the point that hard work is going to be the, what they build their season upon. They talked about how they're part time team against some full time teams, and that fitness might be an issue. Watching that match, you know, they looked the more likely to score as the game progressed, um, and fitness isn't going to be an issue for them they've got a very fit squad the stamina is great you know George Wells got man of the match for them from left back and his endurance just bombing up and down that left flank all day against a strong athlete in George Essieman uh, was genuinely impressive Torquay on the other hand though uh could really use some goals um, and one of their lone was among the goals down at Truro yesterday with uh, JP Pittman scoring at Plainmoor for Truro where they played against Welling
1: yeah and it was a, a decent draw that for Truro because we know they've had the travails having to play at Plainmore and Welling have started off the season well so a decent point that for Truro in the end
2: yeah I think they'll be pleased with that the reality for Truro is they're going to have 42 away games this season there's no way you can call Playmore a home pitch however hard they try it's a four hour round trip so you've got to look at every point gained as a point on the road and a two-wheel draw at a neutral venue against Welling United is a good result for them Uh, and it feels better because it's a last-minute equaliser from Pittman but what will be concerning is the revenue stream. You know, Their attendance has dropped by 46% for their home games so far this season and that's not really a sustainable position for a club that's looking to provide money to build a new ground.
1: We hope Choro can can pull through and find a new ground and, and go up the league. One team who've really improved this season and Indeed, they've invited us down to do a show from there. He's Concord Rangers, who were only being kept off top spot on goal difference, and they had a really good 4-0 win against Concord. And you said that it could be dark horses. I said the same thing as well. And with Alex Wall and Jack Midson up front, they're formidable force, and they proved it again yesterday, beating Hungerford by four goals to nil.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a great result for them. You know, any 4-0 win is a great result. I think we'd all expect them to beat Hungerford. I don't really see anything other than a long, hard, ultimately fruitless struggle for Hungerford this season. But you know, as you say, Jack Mids and Alex Wall—that's eight goals between them for the season, the equivalent of one Jack Robinson. But also, crucially for them, Ryan Hazers started scoring as well. When Ryan Hazers on form, he's probably got one of the best left foots in in step two football. And Concord—they've got a big squad as well, so I think they could they could be competitive for the duration of the season. And as you say, we've been invited down there it's a great little club down there the chairman's a very friendly guy so I'm sure that's something we'll try and do before the season's out
1: yeah and they're only being kept off the top by Billy Ricky. guess who scored again for them yesterday it's only Jake Robinson
2: yeah just a a casual eight goals in five games to start the season for Jake I mean let's be honest ourselves I I don't know what I was thinking in backing Adam Coombs to be the top scorer he's a good striker but clearly Jake Robinson's uh, (laughs) he could probably only play about ten games and still get striker the top scorer on this sort of form He started the season brilliantly Billericchi have started the season brilliantly And there's always talk about Yeah they're buying the league You know they're throwing money at the problem But yeah maybe they are But sometimes you've just got to sit back And enjoy a good team playing great football And doing doing really well
1: It's it's not the fact you spend money It's what it's how you spend the money And how you gel the teams again I mean you look at Eastleigh League, they've had three four seasons Of spending money on players And it's not really worked out for them some teams spend a lot of money you know they fail. Uh, other teams like Salford eventually get there. Billy O'Ricky is proving that they put and not a big name manager in charge, so maybe it's, it's easier for him to go under the radar, get the players working together. Yeah. The reason you're paying money out for the players is because they are good players. Yeah, they
2: are good players as well. You know, Alfie Potter coming down from Football League to play step two football for Billy O'Ricky. Glenn Tamplin gets a lot of stick, and uh, a fair portion of it is justified but he's also a very good motivator and uh, he's built a really good atmosphere down at Billerickey. You know, you've know, you only got to go on Twitter and there's a bit of a siege mentality developing down there as well um, and almost like a no-one-likes-us-we-don't-care sort of approach to the football. And one thing that Glenn Tampin did, I spoke about it in the season previews, is he's given Harry Wheeler total control over the playing side this season. And I don't think it's any surprise that compared to last season, Billerickey looked better. Uh, they're playing at a higher level, at the highest level they've played, for a very long time and they look better than they did last season
1: Another Essex team who are not having as good a season are East Thurrock and they they were up in the playoffs at this this time last year and had a really good strong start to the season before fading away and they lost their fifth game in five yesterday with 1-0 defeat at Gloucester City and it's sure Ex West and England International, Paul Cheski gets sent off as well, but a vital win that for Gloucester.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um as as you know, I've tipped Gloucester for the drop this season and you know, they could still end up there, but they started better than I expected. Ben Seymour is a is a really good little player. Um, and they've done well to keep him and he got the got the crucial goal yesterday. As you say, East were up around the playoffs at this time of last season. I don't think any any of us really expected them to stay there. They only really stayed in the division because of the goals of Sam Higgins and he's not really started for the season yet. I know he got married just as just before the season began I'm not sure maybe his honeymoons delayed him a little bit in getting back amongst the goals but when he does start playing again he will score goals you know it was fantastic last season for them but it could be a long season for them you know with some of the other big teams in Essex doing very well Billericke, Concord Chelmsford look strong again this season I wouldn't be surprised to see his drop away.
1: Chelmsford another Essex team they got a, a last minute equaliser at Hampton and Bury yesterday to keep themselves within touching distance of the playoffs. T- teams who maybe underachieved last year uh, are doing really well this year Wheelstone they followed up their win on Monday to hand they handed Woking their first defeat of the season on Monday and they followed that up on Saturday with a really good win at Dartford Bradley Bub scoring 2 there and uh, there's a quiet optimism there at Wheelstone this year isn't there
2: yeah there is they've bought well um, they kept Bobby Wilkinson who was a really real hot property last season particularly after their run in the FA Trophy I've got to say I don't think a 3-0 win away at Dartford is as good a result as it was last season it, you know it's obviously still a good Result, Dartford aren't any easy pickings, but I don't think they're quite as good as they were last year. Um, Tony Berman's obviously gone. Adam Flanagan and Jamie Cole have got a tough job on to replicate what he did out, did out there. And for Dartford, much like as Rob was saying with Aldershot, I think there's an element that last season was their best chance, and there are some much stronger teams in the division this season. Chelmsford being one of them. You've just mentioned Woking, Max Kretschmar, and the goals again. Essentially, they've taken bones of a, a National League team and added all the best players from last season's playoff runners up.
1: Yeah, and of course, Woking got a, a win away at Hemel Hempstead on Saturday. As I say, teams who underachieved last year, I think a team I tipped to really struggle this year was Eastbourne Borough, and they've started off really well. They beat Chippenham 2 1 at home on Saturday, and they're in the playoff places, and they've got Emmanuel Odebady up front, who we know can find in their, at National League and Football League level?
2: Yeah, I think that's his he, he's got, um, it's either his first or second for the season, but Charlie Walker started the season well as well, he was on the score sheet again yesterday I'd expect them to beat Chippenham at home really, Chippenham are one of the, the best sides in the division, looking at their other results, they've beaten East Thurrock, they've drawn with Truro, their win against Welling was a good result and a draw against Oxford City, so far they've been playing teams that you'd expect them to be in a good competition with, um, teams that you'd expect them to be competing for league position with at the end of the season i'll be interested to see how they do when they come up against you know a Wheelstone, a challenge a concord even like a bath city someone like that because there are stronger sides in the division i think eastbourne will naturally drop away a little bit over the next couple of weeks if you're expecting to be down towards the bottom half of the table come the end of the season having picked up 11 points from five at the beginning is fantastic and
1: another team who had a bit of a I know sort of un- an okay but not spectacular season last season were bad City as I said they did pick up when Gary I was left and Jerry Gill came in but they've started the season really well and again they're a sleeping giant who've been in the National League before and maybe are looking to strive to get back there again and Ryan Brunt got him two goals on Saturday to beat Dulwich
2: yeah and that takes um, that takes Ryan Brunt up to four for the season he's a really really astute bit of business for bath city i remember him coming through when he was uh, down at plymouth argyle and he looked like he had the ability to make it as a football league footballer but maybe something just didn't quite click for him and he's, he's back at bath city now a lot of the Torquay fans yesterday were saying that ryan brunt would have been their number one pick to come in as a striker at Torquay over the summer so bath have done good business to get him i feel like i may have done them a bit of a disservice by predicting them for a mid-table battle this season i think actually looking at their early season results they could be a good shout for the playoffs beating dulwich hamlet you know, Hamlet haven't had the greatest start to the season. They've done all right. They're down around 18th, I think. Um, no, and Clunas on the score sheet again, but it will click for them. Um, as I've said before, Gavin Rose is a really good manager, and I fully expect that once they've adjusted to the to the division, they're going to start picking up some decent results.
1: Well, don't worry about getting predictions wrong, Tom. We do that all the time on here,
2: <laughs> Hi, I'm Adam Summerton. You're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast.
1: So, looking at the National League North now, and we've got a debutant on the show. We are going to bring in Rich Wharton, who does all things media at Telford at the minute, at AFC Telford, and we're delighted to have him on the line now. Hello, Rich.
7: Hi, Luke. Nice to meet you. We'll speak to you at the very least.
1: Excellent. Yeah, thank you for coming on. Uh, just, just tell us what you do at AFC Telford then. It,
7: it's uh, it's all voluntary. Um, I started off writing for the program maybe about two years ago, and I, I write quite a lot of content for the match program. We also had a vacancy, or, or there was nobody around at the time to do the, the online match commentary on Twitter, so I took on doing that. And then from there, it's kind of expanded a little bit into um, we do a post match. Interview with a manager, I do some little bits for the local newspaper, and, and even I've been on local radio as well. So it's I've kind of turned my hand to whatever needs doing if it sort of like helps promote the football club, really.
1: There was a struggle for Telford last year. Rob Edwards went in the summer, Gavin Cowan's come in, and you've had a cracking start, unbeaten so far. Really good when it's spending more yesterday uh, on Saturday by three goals to two, and you currently sit third in the table.
7: Yeah, I know. It's. Um, I don't think anybody was really expecting it, certainly from sort of like the, the reaction that I get from the fans when we do the Twitter account is that they were hopeful, but I think this is sort of like beyond what they would have expected. I think people thought we had quite a tough start on paper as well, so to, to get 11 points out of 15 is, is is certainly better than virtually anybody could have expected, I think.
1: And I love the new books, Head. It's such a it's such a great ground and if it get off to a good start, the crowds will go up and when it's when it's full it's a tough place to go.
7: I, I think that's the hope, but that's that's very much what Gavin Cowan but I met Gavin in pre season to do a, a lengthier interview for the programme and that was one thing he was really keen to get across that he, he played for the club. Roughly 10 years ago now, when they were very much on the up, and said that, you know, the the crowds we used to get, and he used to get goosebumps when he used to run out because of the, you know, the the size of the crowd that was in there. And he's really, really keen and and doesn't see any reason why we can't get that back. And he's, you know, he's, he's set about going about that very positively so far
1: One of the teams you beat well, well it set the tone on the opening day of the season you beat Southport by a goal to nil and you've got a Mary Morgan-Smith up front and Southport a lot of people have tipped him to do well this year you beat them on the opening day of the season what did you make of him they finally got the first win on Saturday against Nuneaton but what did you make of Southport? I
7: suppose I think I was probably a bit disappointed with them in probably the way I think some of their own fans and probably Liam Watson was disappointed with them on opening day for the players that they got I didn't think that they use them particularly effectively on the day um, uh, and I guess it it came down to their main threat came from set pieces and we seemed to be able to handle that quite well so I, I guess I was disappointed in them but but more than that I was kind of like delighted for us that we got off to a good start.
1: And one team who I've got off to an absolutely fantastic start are Charlie they've won 5 out of 5 They've scored nine and they've not conceded yet, and I think even we, we expected expecting them to maybe be up there and pushing for players. So I think they've even ex, um, exceeded what they thought they were going to do this season so far.
7: Yeah, I think they probably have. That the 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 thing with Chula, I think, was a change of manager in the summer. Matt Janssen's departure was pretty much out of the blue, I think, for a lot of people it, it, on the outside of the club. Um, and then you you think to yourself well, how's Jamie Vermiglio going to do? I mean, Jamie Vermiglio, a very popular figure at Telford, had a few years with us. and But stepping up from being the assistant to being the man in charge all of a sudden, I think what surely have done is we found them, you know, they're a really, really tough side to play against. They're a hard side to break down. But we were only talking on the way back yesterday saying that the thing that they lacked probably was down as well. Um, they signed Elliot Newby from... Salford in the summer. Um, I think that was mainly due to just the distance from home for him. And with him and his twin brother Alex on the other wing, they've now got that creativity. I think they had that early in the season last year when they had Nick Horton, but then mm-hmm. he went to Salford City, yeah. and and they. I think they tried to get a little bit of it back when they signed Alex Newby and there they've just kind of doubled it by bringing Elliot in so yeah they're looking very strong they've, they've just added to the strengths they already had and and you know added a little bit more
1: Keep okay, we'll rewind we back to Tuesday night I went to see York City down at Ashton United and I caught up after after York city had won by two goals to so nil. No, I caught up with the York City manager Martin Gray so I'm here with Martin Gray we're at Hurst Cross We've just seeing York City win by two goals to nil. and Martin it probably won't be a game that lives in the memory but he's a vital victory tonight wasn't it
8: it's about winning games. Not, I think, you know, to you know, whether you win attractively from ninety minutes or you win the game. I'd been disciplined and I thought it was a disciplined performance tonight.
1: On a difficult pitch as well, it was very dry, hard. It could see a lot of the touches were let down, but it's because of the bounce a lot of the time, wasn't it?
8: It's lively. We knew it was going to be lively, you know, but uh, I'm pleased we played now and not in February, March, <laughs> you know, where it's gonna be even yeah. worse. So uh, yeah it was uh, it was it was a great three points and uh, it was important that we got back to winning ways well straight away.
1: Sending Austin to change the game, it gave me more momentum in it, John Parking coming on the ball, was sticking a lot more we thought once he came on.
8: Yeah the two things did come hand in hand, you know, as you say John's a big Big asset to the football club. He's been fantastic as long as I've been here. And the sending off came at the right time. And we scored at the right time as well. I mean, was it a vital win to
1: get that bounce back after Saturday against Alfreton in terms of... I mean, can you put your finger on why it's been sort of a bit of inconsistent recently?
8: Well we've won two, lost two. You know, so it's, you know, the the performance against Chorley first half was great. You know, two penalty decisions turned down. The performance uh, against Alfreton in a a, a madness of six minutes would cost Mm. us the game. Uh, setting up performance was strong, and tonight we, we were disciplined. You know, it was probably, uh, you know, we, we deserved the win because you know the amount of set plays we had in both halves. Yeah. As a matter of time, I felt that before. once one goes in, you know, we'd, we'd go and get another.
1: Looks like something you've worked on as well. The set pieces, you were all you scored off nearly a uh, few times off them, didn't you?
8: We did first half We threatened a few times And on another day You know the keeper Josh Hollenshaw makes a great save yeah. Just before uh, half time of, of, of our full back uh, Tom, so, yeah. Tom Allen yeah. So you know Again I thought Eventually Players lack concentration And I thought the ball From Callum Griffiths To Joe Tate And the great header for the For the second goal
1: yeah, was it, it was a pleasing thing as well to grind it out here tonight. Maybe last year you might not have got that victory.
8: Yeah, I think you're right. You think you're right. You think, you know, we, we, we've got good characters. And I thought towards the end, Jordan Burroughs, he hasn't scored yet, but his work has been closing down. You know, was York, Macaulay, Longstaff, and, you know, that that was the important thing, you know, what they did for the team. not everybody recognises that.
1: And in terms of it's it's a massive club, in it? You stated you want promotion, and is this sort of something you can build on now?
8: Well, you have to, don't you? Yes, yeah. yeah, it's simple, you know, it's... a. Uh, you have to build on 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 good results.
1: Brilliant. Well, the lights are going out, so cheers, Martin. We'll let, let you go. Thanks. So that was Martin Gray, and he spoke about the consistency really, and they. What to follow up the win at Ashton with a win at home at Booth and Crescent against Curzon Ashton. They only drew one all and as we record this podcast now the breaking news is, is that Martin Gray has been sacked by York City. The statement says that they've informed Martin his contract will not be renewed and he's now left his post with immediate effect. They, they state that Basically, the board of directors provided Martin Gray with all the necessary financial support to rebuild his squad this summer after the team had missed out on last season's promotion playoff, and they feel now that a change is needed. Assistant manager Sean Gregan is also leaving the club, and Rich—I I mean, I expected him. I thought if they may, if they didn't win at Ashton, he may uh, be under pressure. They did get that, and it seemed to relieve the tension. And they didn't actually u- lose yesterday, but I'm guessing they thought oh, they should be beating teams like Kers and Nash I mean you look at the squad on paper York have got and it should be well one of the top teams in the division
7: Yeah I think expectation um, is, is a, has been a big problem for, for Martin Gray at York I know we went to York on the very first day of last season um, and got a win over them when Gary Mills was still the manager mm-hmm. and, and I didn't think the fans then n- not just with the defeat but they didn't seem happy with the style of play that they were playing from what I knew of how Martin Gray played at Darlington I thought well I'm not sure they're going to be entirely happy with his style of play at York either if they weren't happy with Gary Mills I figure that might be a factor in it as well it's it's not necessarily you know they're not it's really really early in the season and I think that's probably what's you know shaken people That it's only after five games they're moving to a new stadium next year they will have one of the bigger budgets in this league, and I think he struggled with the expectation of, of, of the supporters there. If I am perfectly honest,
1: yeah, and I don't think he was. I mean, I, I, I think I stated it um, in the previous podcast last week, uh, either last week or a week before, that he was not a, a sexy name. You know, he, he maybe wasn't a name that everyone was wanting. So maybe I don't think he'd won over the fans from the start, and he was always on a, a bit of a hiding into nothing really.
7: Yeah, I think so. I think that I think whether the board at York decided. With them being at this level in National League north that they needed a manager who knew that level and that that's not necessarily a bad idea um but yeah for the for some of the supporters, he might not have been the the kind of appointment that they wanted to be perfectly honest um I know he brought in i think he's brought in some. Fairly decent players over the summer. I think Gates. There's a number of former Gateshead players have gone there. Again, players that know this level. I think it just shows you how how competitive this league is. To be perfectly honest, I think virtually everybody in it can beat anybody else. And you've got to be prepared and and turn up on the day. And, and you're just obviously haven't looked like doing that enough times this season.
1: The uh, thing. Um the thing that's um, speaking to a couple of the players, and I noticed it as well on Tuesday, is sort of they almost look frozen by the fear of expectation. You know, even after 10 minutes, the, their support were getting on the back and everything like that. And it, you could see it affected them a little bit. And it's the same at home. Teams go to Booth and Crescent, as you well know. It's, it's, it's a beautiful stadium, nice old stadium, nice pitch. Teams go there and see it's as a cup final, and maybe they struggle to deal with the expectation at times.
7: Yeah, I think perhaps they do. I think I think teams playing york certainly going to booth and crescent will have this perception of you know we're playing a team that was in the football league here probably only was it two three seasons ago and and as seen as a big fish and and i think teams going there inevitably kind of raise their game york themselves have sort of like perhaps struggled to to cope with the fact that teams it's almost a bit of a cup final for them yeah it, it, it's a I don't. I don't suppose I'm entirely surprised by the turn of events, but but for it to come after only five games is is um, yeah that is a bit of a surprise.
1: A a team that's quite close, locally. It's sort of I don't know what. Yeah, in terms of they're probably about an hour away from you. Hereford, they've come up this year from the Southern Premier Division, and I got a tweet yesterday saying has Hereford surprised me in how they started and I said well no not really they're kind of up there and I expected them to be up there and they suffered the first defeat yesterday at Charlie but they started off really strong and I suppose you're not surprised by that either Rich are you?
7: No I'm not Um, the the National League North has a history of teams who are on an upward curve getting into the National League North and continuing on that I mean I think Telford themselves were one of those teams ten years ago Hereford have got a, a very big support that that there's a real positivity about them we played them in the FA Cup last season in the first round there was almost kind of an an air of inevitability about it that, that you know it was that their fans seemed to almost like will them over the line they've got that real Boar's positivity about the moment and I think they've just carried that into a new season they, they lost one particularly important player in John Mills up front who an old scored an mm. awful lot of goals for them in, in their rise up to this level um, but they seem as if they, they're coping quite adequately without him yeah.
1: I mean Hereford's again I said about Booth and Crescent It's a nice old ground With a good pitch I mean Edgar Street's one of those It's a traditional old ground isn't it? You can you can smell the tradition As soon as you're walking Through the door
7: Yes you can um, As I say That, that cup game we played there last season You know You've got that curved Or the, the, the terrace At the one end With the curved roof on it, and, you know, all of a sudden all those memories start coming back of all those cup ties in the 1970s. We've all seen the footage of all the John Motson's commentary. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a proper old traditional football ground, and, and, and people enjoy going there and playing, I think
1: what do you make of the other full-time team Kidderminster they got a good win yesterday against Darlington but they've had a bit of a, a stuttering start it was the first win out of the season they drew they drew the other three of course you went there second game of the season and got a nil-nil draw against them they currently sit 11th are there many people's tips to do okay this year maybe not quite as well as they has done over, uh, over the past couple of seasons but uh, how do you assess Kidderminster?
7: Um, I think with Kidderminster it's it's Again, it's that thing of a change of manager in the summer in the same way with Chorley. People weren't quite sure they were going to go. John Eustace left them to go and take on a role at Queen's Park Rangers, and Neil McFarlane came in. He's, he's not a name that I'd heard of before he took the role, but he's obviously... You know well respected in football and I think he's my perception was that he was going to try and change their style a little bit I know a few Kidderminster fans and they've suggested that they played some gorgeous football for this level mm-hmm. but sometimes had a bit of a soft centre and that's something that he was perhaps going to try and address I think they mixed it up a little bit more against us when we played them in that second game than they had in previous games They they were almost a little bit like a non-league Barcelona in they'd they try and pass and pass and pass and sometimes it didn't go anywhere it could be a little bit more direct at times I think ultimately they'll be up there again I, w- I would certainly think that they'll be a playoff team you know they've got some you know good mm. plays in their side like Dan Bradley and Joe Ironside and adding Ashley Chambers to it as well he's a proven goal scorer as well I think they'll go well but yeah in, in the early part of the season it's been a little bit up and down I think it, either side of that nil-nil with us they'd had 2-3-3 three, three draws so they seem to be a little bit of a team of extremes in that they either score in or nothing's happening at all so uh, I'm sure it'll settle down after a few games but yeah I'd expect them to be up there
1: A team has surprised people this season as well and a lot of teams I think maybe a lot of people who think maybe sort of as well underestimate them are Leamington. Now they've only had one defeat this season that was at Hereford in midweek. They got a draw yesterday against Geyser but again Leamington quite a settled side. They've defied the odds and they've started really well haven't they? They're in 7th place currently.
7: Yes they have and, and I think a lot of that's down to continuity at Lamington. It's a it's a word we've spoken a lot about at Telford this season and and Paul Holleran is a manager who who knows the level exceptionally well. He seems to be able to get players to buy into what he's doing and, and play for him. I know they've got a couple of former Telford players this season and yeah I suppose it's a surprise to see them, you know, in seventh place. But I don't think anybody should be underestimated in this league. You know, it's it's anybody can beat anybody else and they you know they've they've had some good results I think they gave Bradford Park Avenue quite a a bit of a hammer in a couple of weeks ago and I think they found a forward in Matt Stenson it um, uh, looks you know, as if he could turn into a bit of a hot property at this level.
1: Yeah, he's, he's signed from Barwell, so again another player to come up from a lower division and, and looks as though he's doing a business so far. Uh, just before we let you go, Rich, we're just going to talk about the newly promoted teams. Alchingham have come up, they've won plaudits for the way they play football. They're safely in in 13th. And Ashton United, who I saw on Tuesday against York, I caught up with their captain Mark Lees after the game. So I'm here for the NL Full-Time Podcast <laughs> with the Ashton United captain Mark Lees and Mark uh, not the result you want tonight but you did compete for a while but the full time just told
0: I think in the end didn't it yeah I think we've just been a bit naive we've switched off on a long throw obviously we knew before the game we've given plenty of information on them they're going to play for long throws set pieces they're a big physical team and it's just it, I wouldn't even say it's down towards the full-time thing, but it's just a bit of co- lacks of lapse of concentration from those Costas, and when we're down to ten men as well, going down one-nil, it's always an uphill battle. Do
1: you think I was going to say? Do you think the f- you played Kidderminster a week before and then York tonight? Do you think playing two full-time teams did take it out of you? Or do you felt like you matched in fitness-wise as well? I wouldn't
0: say the full-time thing was much of an issue really. So especially the way they played tonight, they were very direct. So it wasn't like they were doing anything we've not seen before. So it, I didn't, didn't. If you're not told me before again, they're a full-time team, I wouldn't have known to be honest as well with the time teams I think that won't really make a difference until later on in the season obviously they've just had a pre-season but I think in a few months that's when the full time issue will probably help the full time teams
1: uh, uh, What have you noticed in terms of the step up from the class from the EVO stick division in the short time you played in this division this year with Ash, I know you played at this level before but in terms of the step up coming up from the Evostick how, how have you found it and what's the difference that you notice in the National League
0: now well, I think it's proven today that the teams are a bit more ruthless in this league really there's obviously big teams big clubs bigger crowds as we've seen York brought quite a few fans tonight and with those big crowds and big clubs comes big players and uh, I think we need to learn to be a bit more ruthless in front of goal I think to be honest the non-eating on the FC start was a bit false for us because I think they're probably teams that are going to be in the bottom half of this league whereas Kiddermans and York are probably going to be challenging they're going to be up there that's no disrespect to non-eating FC yeah. at all but I think when you see the type of players that Kinnamanston and uh, York have got, they've obviously got big budgets and they're looking to get promoted. So I'd say in terms of the difference really, it's like you've just got to be ruthless at both ends. We've we've, slipped, we've switched off a one set piece long throw. They've cost us, we had a chance second half, we didn't take it. Obviously keep keeps pulled off a great save, yeah. but you've got to be ruthless at both ends.
1: A lot of the predictions made on the podcast I've asked him to go down. I mean, do you think you feel he can have comfortably stay up or is survival just the aim for this year? I don't think you really,
0: you don't really see what, the league's going to do until 10 games into the season something like that I think teams are getting used to it for example I don't think many people would have had FC to go and beat Altringham, Altringham yeah. tonight but they're going to win there so I think until like if they gets 10 games and beyond we don't really know who's going to take, uh, take a hold of this league I think until then a lot of teams are going to beat each other and there's going to be quite a few results surprising results
1: home farm's going to be key here, especially during the winter months when it's going to get windy and rainy
0: pitch is going to be heavy teams won't fancy coming here will they? I don't think so no there was a few comments made that, like someone shared some like screenshots of tweets from York fans saying something about this club and this club blah de blah but we take no notice of that really it means nothing I don't think like you say these big big time teams will want to come here in December months when it gets a bit wet it gets a bit windy like I say it's quite an open ground but we just need to make the most of it really
1: so that was the Ashing United captain Mark Lees and he was quite bullish about the chances this season however they faced Brackley on Saturday and were handed a tonk and it was fair to say Brackley started the season quite not as well as they may be expected, but they certainly got back on track with that win at Ashton United. And uh, how do you think the newly promoted teams will do coming up from the Evo stick?
7: At, this, at the beginning of the season, I think Ashton were one of the ones who I felt mm, wouldn't necessarily, I wouldn't say struggle because I, I, that, that's unfair to them, but out of the promoted teams, I felt they were the one that probably do the least well. Altrincham, very established club I know they've had a few difficult seasons of A couple of back-to-back relegations But I think the appointment they made In Phil Carkinson as manager Has has kind of reinvigorated things I'm sure they'll be absolutely fine I think Ashton may have been a little bit unlucky yesterday To to catch the backlash from Brackley uh, Who we beat, Telford beat 2-1 on Tuesday evening I mean, we're really happy to take the win against them I think Brackley's finishing was a little bit Misfired on the night, um, and I suspect their players went out with a little bit of a point to prove yesterday. Unfortunately, Ashton, the ones who were on the wrong end of it.
1: So, to, you, you to stick your neck out, Rich. Uh, who, who do you predict to go up as the two promoted teams from the National League North this season?
7: Well, wow, croaky now you're asking me. Um,
2: <laughs>
1: Sorry, I didn't pre-plan that, did I? <laughs> I <don't>, yeah, <laughs> I
2: yeah no, part. that's fine. I, uh, I'm
7: am go- going to say I think Chorley will may well be one of the two. I think from from experience they are a really really difficult side to play against and and with that added creativity they've got now i do think they're going to be a team to beat i know people were talking up Stocksport Stockport's chances at the start of the season i think the concern i had about them was how are they going to replace the goals from jason as well but they're, they're going to be close if i had to name one other let me think it's really racking my brains now i'll Go for Boston, yeah. Mm. I think they've they've started really well. There's obviously some investment gone in there to back manager Craig Elliott and they've got some experience. Um uh, you know, and I think they can make it a place that people don't like going to as well. It's not a terrific journey across to Boston for any game and I think if they can make it a bit of a a fortress there at York Street and then pick up points on the road, they they, they may be up there as well.
1: Yeah, it's a bit like Telford, isn't it, like with the New Book's Head, if you go to York Street, again, traditional old football league, former football league ground, and if they get the crowds back as well, as you say, really tough place to go.
7: Yes, I think so, yeah, and then they, you know, I think they've they've won four out of five now, Mm. you know, that's only one result away from, you know, being level with what Chorley are doing at the top, and they've... They've signed some good players as well. They they've, they seem to have quite a, a strong spine. So uh, I, I think they'll. I think they should definitely be looking at a playoff place. And then you know, once you get into the playoffs, we, I would say anything can happen. I mean, last season the strongest team in the playoffs eventually came through in Harrogate, and that finishing in the second or third place now is such an advantage with the, with there being six playoff places with it being one-off games when you get to play them on your own ground that's that's a big advantage so um, yeah I think they'll be up there
1: Brilliant Rich thanks for joining us uh, you've made a very good debut on the podcast and uh, we'll speak to you soon Ok look, that's uh, great thanks and finally before we leave we'll have a look at the Step 3 results. The Evo Stick Premier Division finally got underway yesterday. Favourites for division, I think we all tipped into winning South Shields, they got a win at home to Whitney Albion. Cal Finnegan scoring two, a good win for them. In fact, all the newly promoted clubs into the Evo stick Premier Division won on Saturday. Scarborough they got a good one win away at Hensford despite being down to ten men for most of that game. And Hyde United they beat Baseford who won the Evo stick South Division by an absolute country miles. North Ferriby. they began life back in Evo, stick with a, 1-0, with a 1-1 draw at Marine. The other result as well that caught my eye, Tom, was Nantwich, they beat Gainsborough Trinity. Gainsborough got relegated from the National League North, they spent really well in the summer, but it was uh, the evergreen Steve Jones, 41-year-old Steve Jones, former Northern Ireland international, he got the last-minute winner.
2: Yeah, that's, uh, that's nice to see. Uh, for him, obviously, Um with Trinity, they'll definitely have wanted to get off to a winning start won't they in this division they've come down there's naturally a lot of expectation for them but they know they're going to be in a tough fight to get out of this division with clubs of the calibre of South Shields in there so to lose on the opening day uh, away to much Town will have hurt them talking about ever- evergreen players Sean Harrod got a couple from Matlock Town uh, yeah. against Lancaster City um and the result that stands out for me really because I think it's just a little bit sad is um, Warrington Town losing at home to Farsley Celtic I watched them in their playoff semi-final against Grantham last year and it felt like a moment passing by for them really I know their budget's been slashed over the summer they've still managed to bring in Jack Dunn from Tranmere Rovers which is a great signing for Step 3 football but it's difficult to see them doing as well this season isn't it Tom
1: thanks for joining us Uh, we'll speak to you soon
2: yeah thanks very much pleasure as always
1: yeah and also Thank you as well for you for listening today. We shall be back next week. As always, if you want to get in touch with us, it's at NL Full Time on Twitter or on Facebook, NL Full Time. Or you can email us as well, nlfultime at gmail.com. Until then, we'll see you all soon.